Well, good morning, and uh, welcome uh, to St. John's Church. It's uh, really good to uh, be with you this morning, even if it's being with you virtually. It's, it's great to, to be with you and experience this um, together. I'm going to uh, read the, the scriptures now. I'm going to read the Bible. So if you have a Bible uh, to hand, it'd be good to follow along with me. So if you'd like to turn to Romans chapter 12... I'm going to read from verse 9. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we begin with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Psalm 119 says these words. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. Father God, we come to you now. We come to you, a faithful God, and ask that as we consider your word, as we look at it together, you will help us in this difficult time to trust in you, that you are a good God who loves us. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, schools are closed. The football season is suspended, supermarkets are empty, people are sick, people are anxious, and of course, most tragically of all, thousands of people are dying. It's a really difficult time. What's going on? It's a good question, isn't it? What is going on? Why? Why would God allow such a horrible disease to spread and become a pandemic? If God is in control and has power to change things, why wouldn't he do it? These are some of the the questions that might be filling our our minds, whether we're Christian or a non-Christian. What can be said? What can be offered What does the Bible have to say about these things? How can we have hope? As these uh, questions fill our minds, 
and our hearts. Um, I think it's important for us to not be afraid of the questions. Jesus taught us in Mark 12, verse 28, to love the Lord your God with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. In all the emotion and anxiety of the moment, we must remember to think so we may be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So I encourage us to to wrestle with the questions in prayer and so bring hope to ourselves, but hope to others. Before we look at the bigger question of God and coronavirus, it's really important for us to acknowledge that this question is bigger than any of us and bigger than any answer. It's interesting in the book of Job in the Old Testament, God doesn't answer Job's question with a reason for his pain and suffering. Instead, he helps Job to understand who God is, that his perspective is limited. It's, it's a human perspective and that God can still be trusted, trusted with the questions and trusted in the turmoil. I am aware that even trying to answer big questions at a time like this uh, may be seen as somewhat insensitive or, or uncaring and that's certainly not my intention, especially as we have many people who are affected by the disease. Of course, our first response should be, as our reading says in verse 10, to be devoted to one another in love. Verse 13, to share with the Lord's people who are in need. And importantly, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Christians are to, to mourn with those who mourn. What? What does it mean to mourn with those who mourn? Well, it means to empathize with others. Some people I know are really uh, empathetic. They're naturally empathetic. They will start crying when they see somebody else cry. They will laugh when somebody else is just laughing. If you think about it, to mourn with one another, to, to love one another in this way is not an emotionally safe place to be. It, it will hurt. We may be living in isolation from each other, but we must not become detached from each other, from one another. We're to be involved in each other's lives. We need to care, not give up on each other. That's what it means to mourn with those who mourn. So when we know that someone is suffering, it's not right just simply to say, oh, pull up your socks and get on with it, or know the victory of Christ. No, we're to mourn with them. That's what it means to love one another. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus um, did when he heard that Lazarus had died. When he met Mary, he simply wept even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So to have brothers and sisters in Christ 
isn't necessarily a safe option, but it is the willingness to have our hearts broken. Although we are isolated because of the virus, to have brothers and sisters is not isolating. They have a claim on us. We are bound together in Christ. We are one in Christ, as Victoria began the service. So let us be thinking about different imaginative ways in which we can be a loving community. Think about who I could ring to check on, to check that they're okay. How might I encourage others to remain faithful in prayer and diligent in reading the scriptures? A love for one another is one of the major ways that we will be a witness in this world, a witness that we are the disciples of Christ. Let's move back for a moment to that big question about Christianity and COVID-19. What does it have to say? These are some general points that are applicable, I think, to suffering in general, but they may help you They may help your friends and your neighbours so you can answer to have, to show them that you have a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing is that we have a broken world. We live in a broken world and we need to acknowledge this. The Bible begins in Genesis with creation. It's, it's good. It's beautiful. It's, it's wonderful. It's with God. And yet, it gets messed up. The entire world is affected by Adam and Eve choosing to rebel against God. This is what the Bible calls sin. This breaks the relationship that we have between God and humans. And death and decay enters in. Not only this, in Genesis 3, it tells us that the ground itself is cursed. And the New Testament picks that up as Paul reminds us in Romans that creation, all of creation, groans as it awaits the liberation from decay and death. The point is that sin has affected everything, the whole of creation. And so we shouldn't be surprised by what's happening. We shouldn't be surprised by the existence of a deadly virus. Sin has wrecked everything. But secondly, I think we're, God's calling us to, to wake up. He wants to waken us up. You see, God allows suffering to draw us to himself. Now, let me be really clear here, though. God does not cause evil. He merely allows it. And perhaps one of the reasons for this is that he knows that this life continues for eternity after this present age. And so often it's so easy for us to get distracted by just simply the here and now. And sometimes we need to be shaken and woken up to think about the eternal. You see, coronavirus, death and decay, it kind of concentrates the mind on what's really important. For Christians, we have a great, a great hope to eternal life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
This enabled the great poet, George Herbert, to write this. He said, Death used to be an executioner, but the gospel has made him just a gardener. Death is just a gardener. I really like that. The gospel has made death a gardener. You see, death and pain should actually drive us closer to God and remind us of our mortality, that there is a wonderful, beautiful world beyond this one awaiting those who believe and trust in the Lord Jesus. But so often we want to live now as if we're never going to die. The panic, I think, that we see over coronavirus is because we think that we can control our lives, that we can somehow eliminate potential risk and illness. This virus sadly breaks through all that. There is no guard against it, against death. And so we try to wall ourselves in, don't we, with tins of carrots, bricks of pasta, and a stack of toilet roll sort of crying out, we're not coming out. We think we can control our circumstances so nothing bad can get us. But the truth is that death will one day get us. And so what if we're not listening to the one who is actually screaming out to us, screaming out to us in love, saying, I can ultimately make sure nothing bad can ever happen to you ultimately. I can save you. The one who in Revelation says, I have the keys to death and Hades. As I was thinking back, one of the most extraordinary stories I heard emerge from the Boxing Day tsunami back in 2004 was that of a little girl called Tilly Smith. She was only uh, 10 years old. Tilly was staying on the Thai island of Phuket with her mom, dad, sister, enjoying a Christmas beach holiday when the tidal wave hit. Suddenly, with no warning, she described how the tide rushed suddenly out, leaving fish just flapping in the sand. The water began to, to bubble, and the boats on the horizon began to, began to violently bob up and down. While other tourists stood and stared, Tilly actually understood what was happening because she had a geography lesson not two weeks earlier where she'd learned all about these kind of tsunami events and how the survivors described the warning signs. Immediately, Tilly turned to her mother and said, Mum, we must get off the beach now. I think there's going to be a tsunami. Her parents listened and then quickly alerted other holidaymakers and hotel staff, and they evacuated the beach. Minutes later, the tidal wave hit, sweeping everything away. Incredibly, Tilly's beach was one of the handful in Phuket where no one was killed, no one was seriously injured. All because one little girl, a ten-year-old, paid attention to the warning signs. And I think we must do the same. We must wake up to the warning signs, whether it's the tragedy of a tsunami or the crisis of a viral pandemic. They all remind us that we are 
fragile. We are fragile people who live in a broken world and so must be ready for that day by trusting now in the Lord Jesus for our salvation. Only he can save you from the coming disaster and only he can deal with sin and death. Only he can deal with coronavirus that would devastate us for all eternity. We live in a broken world. God wants us to wake up. But thirdly, we have a suffering God. We need to understand that Jesus understands our suffering. No other religion in the world has a suffering God where God actually experiences pain. Although the Bible never mentions that Jesus got sick with a virus, we do know that he suffered immensely. He suffered isolation. He suffered loneliness and hunger and stress, as well as physical pain as he went to the cross and died. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, for we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to feel sympathy for our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, as we are, yet he did not sin. You see, this is good news. You see that the God of the Bible hasn't left us in our suffering and pain. No, he's entered into it. He came and he died on a cross. He was despised and beaten. He was isolated and suffered for our sake to die for us in our place. He loved us so much that he would do that. Part of the answer to where is God where coronavirus hits is that he is right here. He's right here with us now. He knows all about our anxiety. He knows all about our pain and our isolation because we have a God who came and suffered and died for us to give us life. We have a suffering God. And finally, we have a great victory. We have a great victory. Jesus, because he suffered and died, has conquered disease and death. They do not have the last word. Coronavirus does not have the last word. We have a great hope, a sure and certain hope. One of Jesus' followers, Paul, suffered immensely. He was beaten He was shipwrecked, and yet he never lost heart. And it says in the book of Philippians, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How on earth is he able to say that? How on earth are we to say that? Well, because he knew Jesus had already conquered this broken world. He believed the resurrection of Jesus and he refused to mourn without hope. We have a great hope. Mourn with those who mourn. That's what our reading says this morning. Mourn with those who mourn. And as we mourn, we do not lose hope. As we face these uncertain days, as we face them together as a church, 
as coronavirus takes grip, as we talk to others, I want us to remember that truth. The Bible does say, yes, a broken world, God wants us to wake up, and he suffered and died for us. But know that he has the ultimate victory. This is our hope. As we mourn with those who mourn, let's hold out that good news of Jesus, because it is good news that all who turn to him will be saved. Let's pray, shall we? Let's just take a moment to draw our hearts and our thoughts to the Lord. Father God, we thank you that you are a good God, a God that we can trust, a God that we can trust in this broken world. Father, this coronavirus has shaken us all. And as we awake to you, may we turn to you, our loving Father. We thank you this morning for Jesus. We thank you that he is the suffering God, the suffering servant, who understands our weaknesses, who can sympathize with our weaknesses, who suffered and died for us. Let us trust him more and more as we face the future. A, fa- a future, yes, full of, of uh, challenges, but ultimately full of rejoicing as we see your victory. Fill our hearts, we pray this day, with hope. A hope of the resurrection to eternal life. And help us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to uh, take your, your service card. If you've got your service card printed out or on your screen. And uh, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to 4B, 4B, and we're going to affirm our faith together. You might want to stand, uh, you can sit, you can lie down, whatever you want to do, we're going to affirm our faith together. So let us affirm our faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Together, though he was divine, he did not cling to equality with God but made himself nothing, taking the form of a slave. He was born in human likeness. He humbled himself and was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has raised him on high and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow And every voice proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. 
Amen, indeed. And so we're going to uh, sing our final hymn, which you can find on the song sheet. It is well with my soul. Verse 1 says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. May it be well with your soul today. Amen.